You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Well, it's just gone 8.10 Central African time at the time of the evening uh, when you tune into one of your favorite program, uh, which is uh, Medical Files. Uh, let's welcome our Pais and Sigeshizumah with a hearty Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah. So much is going around us, uh, people. So much to be looking at. People are under stress levels, or some are, you know, uh, some uh, can't take the pace. But Alhamdulillah, with the iman that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has given us, that is what keeps us on the straight and, and narrow. We thank Allah Subhanahu wa Taala for that, and Alhamdulillah, on our medical files, we try and uh, yeah address those issues that, that makes a difference. And Alhamdulillah, tonight we have uh, one of your favorite doctors with us. Inshallah, uh, very soon we'll be chatting to Dr. Imran Kika who is a GP that specializes in Chinese medicine. And tonight we'll be discussing COVID and mental issues and many other issues also. We'll be opening the lines a little later to you on 0847863132. We'll also field some of your questions. And Alhamdulillah, Carlo on the board. Let me welcome you once again with a hearty assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Dr. Imran Kika, he is there, someone that I embrace. I celebrate on this platform also, Dr. Imran Kika. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And uh, tell me how you're doing. And by the way, Mufti A.K. can ask to uh, convey his salams to you also. Wa alaikum 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 wa and, you know, because Mufti Saab has that affinity towards uh, Newcastle, Molana Sema was there, uh, Raymullah Darul Ulum, and you were part of a, you know, a culture that uh, resonates uh, positively with the, both the uh, spirituality and, uh, you know, we have uh, produced some brain boxes from your part of the world, uh, Doctor. Alhamdulillah, I would like to believe that Newcastle still produces great ulama. Uh, the legacy of Molana Sema Rahimahullah continues. And uh, people who have worked closely with him and benefited from him, you know, it is quite obvious all over. So we find, you know, Alhamdulillah, all over the country, not only the country, but all over the world, you know, uh, people who have come here and taken from him and, you know, drank from that golden fountain uh, at the time when Mufti Saab was also there. And, you know, they continue to benefit the Ummah at large, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, yes, uh, Dr. Imran Kika, you know, with so many theories uh, concerning COVID and it's a spread from Wuhan, China. Can uh, Dr. Kika, you know, give us his uh, take on that? You know, Brother Shafat, um, like you say, we interact, you and I, on different platforms sometimes. So uh, there are different things that we need to talk about in different places, but sometimes those things come together in one place, you know. And currently this topic of uh, COVID is something that brings all of us together. First, there is a lot of information out there. Uh, you know, nowadays we hold information in our hands. Yes, some time ago you needed to access it through a book, literature, you know. So that time has changed. Information comes hard and fast. And a lot of that information, unfortunately, is not factual. So in as much as there's a lot of information out there, it takes sometimes uh, knowing about things to be able to sift through it. Because a lot of the things that 
also reaches me. You know, I belong to, or I should say I'm on several WhatsApp groups that many of the members of the public are on. And information is disseminated. And sometimes when I read it, I get tempted to respond. But sometimes when I respond, people misconstrue it as, uh, you know, as maybe you must know it all, or, you know, you're a politician, stay out of it. So there's all kinds of views. But the reality is this. Fortunately, there are people on those WhatsApp groups who do respond and respond properly. And so we mustn't take everything that we get in our hand, I should say, these days, as, uh, you know, the truth, as haq. And some people even consider some of this information that comes as if, you know, it is wahi, you know, we've got to accept it. And if you don't accept it, uh, then, you know, you are an apostate, you are one of those who are against us, you are one of those who have in for us, you are one of those who want to harm us rather than protect us. And one of those very topical vaccines, and I know uh, my good colleague and friend, uh, Dr. Ridwan Umar, has been on this former forum many times speaking about it as well. And it is a topical one. I just saw a letter now on one of the groups addressed, an open letter addressed to Molana Bam, for example, asking him all kinds of questions about the vaccine that is coming to the country. Well, inshallah it will come. Uh, and I'm saying inshallah it will come because I believe that when it does come, it will go a long way to benefit the entire country, reduce the numbers um, drastically. It's not a cure. Uh, it's a preventive measure. Uh, vaccines are usually uh, preventive measures, so it, it will definitely, inshallah, uh, bring about great relief to the large numbers of people, the millions of people in the country. They are a bit of a, there is a problem at the moment in the procurement process. There's all kinds of theories floating around, but the reality is that initially there were issues with payment. Those continue. There's no clarity from government with regards to it. And when it does come, there's already so much that is circulating against it that people are saying that they won't take it. Uh, I think each individual on that front must consult with people that know about these things rather than people who don't know about these things and listen to conspiracy theories and listen to things uh, that do not make sense to those of us who know a little bit more about these things. And, and, I, and I say this with great caution because, you know, Allah Ta'ala tells us in the Quran, and it, it, well, it applies largely to matters of deen, but it's an injunction that applies to everything. Allah Ta'ala tells us, فَصَلُوا أَحْلَ الذِّكْرِ كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُ You know, we must, we must ask the فَصَلُوا أَحْلَ الذِّكْرِ Ask the people who know, the people who uh, know about matters. Uh, so whether it is a matter of deen, whether it is a matter of education, or any field for that matter, we must consult the people that know. And I'm not going to go into an elaborate discussion about vaccine mm. or the Shabbat, but the reality is this, that there is benefit in it, and when it comes, we will encourage people to take it. And in fact, I said to somebody the other day that if, I, if it comes and there's an opportunity for me to take it first, I will take it. And people ask me, will you vaccinate your family? I said, of course I will. Will you vaccinate your mother? I said, indeed I will. So uh, if, if it comes and it's available, we'll take it, inshallah, and we hope that there will be benefit from it. And I said to the same person on, on, a, on a lighter note, I said, you know, you were also vaccinated when you were young. 
and you still mm. are fine arguing with me about vaccinations, you know. And the other day there was somebody who was on, on a WhatsApp, having a conversation with me, arguing on WhatsApp. And it was just about an hour before that, before she went to the clinic, came back from the clinic having vaccinated the child for, for, you know, for the usual vaccination schedule. But arguing about the COVID vaccine, Ajeep, you know. Uh, so there's so many things to look at about that. So one is the information. Uh, we must make sure that the information that we have found, that it comes from a good source and that it is reputable. Uh, so discard any information about fear-mongering and discard any information about things that don't make sense. So if some of us who are in the field, we tell you that, look here, this is good for you, then go for it. If those that are not in the field start commenting about it, then to be honest, we don't want to listen. There was there was one particular person. He happens to be a Molana. He he had he had a discussion with me one day about these things, and he said to me uh, that the reason he advocates against vaccines is because he has been reading about them for 20 years. Well, Brother Shabbat, you mentioned Mufti Ekisab Damat Barakatum earlier. You know, from a very young age, I've been spent. I spent some time with him, and I used to spend a lot of time with. Uh, um, I also read the, uh, you know, the translation of the Quran. I also read, uh, you know, many of the fatawa kitabs that are available in English and many other kitabs and the ma'ariful hadith and all these things. Does that qualify me to then sit and open a Darul Ifta and, and give fatwas on, on vaccines? doesn't qualify me or on any matter of din. You know, I, although I studied a little bit of Arabic, I can't properly construct, you know, three sentences in Arabic. So it doesn't qualify me in any way. So somebody goes and reads a few books and has been doing some reading about the wrong things for 20 years and then comes and tells those of us that know about viruses and vaccines that, you know what, you can't do this and we don't want to listen to them. So we would encourage everybody to listen to us and do what is the right thing. Yes, so sir, a point taken, Doctor. Uh, yes, Mufti Saab, and let the ulama fraternity give us the fatwas, you know, and uh, do the, uh, what they do best. Alhamdulillah. But it uh, must good point there, and I like that. Fact. That's a fact. Uh, you said it well there. And, uh, you know, with the talk of ivermectin and other remedies in the market, how should one approach these issues of choice? You know, people say, all right. You want to hear this, I'm at men. Hey, I really want to take ivermectin. I'll take that in, in, instead of our Pfizer. How would you advise then? Look, uh, the ivermectin thing has become a big thing. A uh, great amount of discussion amongst the healthcare professionals, medical doctors, pharmacists. They discuss meat at great length. Um, you know, uh, in South Africa, it is only available for animal use. That doesn't mean that in other countries of the world, it hasn't been used on human beings for a very long time. Uh, so, you know, close on to 40, 45 years of use on humans. Uh, I know that I studied uh, medicine in the Dominican Republic many years ago, and it was available even then in tablet form in that country. It's been it's an antiparasitic drug that has found that, you know, there are studies that are showing that it might benefit patients with COVID. But the problem is this, that is a medicine. It's not a problem. I'll come to the problem just now. The thing is that it is a medicine. And in those countries where it is available and used for human beings, 
it is not just taken by anybody in the public. It is prescribed by medical doctors and used or recommended by pharmacists. You can't just take these things for whatever you think it can be taken. There are studies that came out of Bangladesh where it was used and other Latin American countries where it is used in COVID patients. Again, those are things that require proper assessment. You don't get any, uh, you know, sniffle. Now it's available in the black market quite commonly in South Africa. That's the problem. People are taking it for prevention. People are taking it daily. People are taking it, uh, you know, willy-nilly. And this is a very big problem. It has many interactions with many medicines. It has many side effects. Uh, in as much as it is also considered quite a safe drug, even paracetamol is a safe drug. You know, it's available in South Africa without even a prescription. Yet we still see problems in patients who have taken something like Panado, paracetamol, or any other form of aspirin. You don't need a prescription in the country, in our country. But it is it causes an immense number of problems in many people who use and abuse it, for example. So all the combinations of it uh, in any trade name that I don't want to mention on your radio. So medicines, people might think that it's safe, but they might be on other medications. They might not have COVID. They might have another condition. They may have, as we know, the rhinovirus is very prevalent at the moment from viral statistics that we are getting from the laboratories. It is a virus that causes an infection, uh, you know, in, in the airway, in the nose, throat. You know, it can cause respiratory tract problems right through the respiratory tract. This is a very prevalent virus at the moment. So people are just taking it for every cough. They, they, they're looking for it, and it has taken on a persona of its own form. I heard the other day from one doctor that nurses in, in our, uh, at the King Edward Hospital in Durban were prepared to pay up to 1,500 rand for a single dose of ivermectin tablets. Can you imagine that? So, you know, it's taken on a persona of its own, and a form of its own, and, uh, you know, as it stands, the medicine is illegal in the Republic of South Africa for human use, and also uh, they are saying that there is no, there is insufficient evidence to support its use, uh, and that if anybody wants to use it, if any doctors or pharmacists want to use it on their patients, then there has to be a proper process. Now, in South Africa... You know, we are all uh, law-abiding citizens, Brother Shafat. We love the law. We follow the law. We, uh, you know, we are peaceful citizens. We do, otherwise there would be anarchy everywhere. You know, we pay our rates. We pay for our electricity. We, we, you know, we get a fine. We go pay it. We follow the law in general. South Africans are law-loving people. We follow the rule of law. The rule of law in South Africa requires that if anybody wants to use this medicine, then there is a special process to follow. There is a body called the South African Health Products Regulatory Authority. There is an application process which people can use to apply through them. Doctors need to use it. The argument is this, that we're sitting with, a, with the second wave going on, and uh, we, we have this medicine uh, and, you know, it is saving many lives. Well, information that is coming thick and fast from everywhere, some of it very, very reliable, that is pointing towards that. But the thing is that it can only be used if it is legal. 
if the government allows its use, if the proper authorities allow its use, and if it is prescribed by the people that are intended to prescribe it. It can't be that somebody sitting on a street corner in Overport is selling cards of ivermectin, a 30 rand a tablet, people take it and use it for just about anything, without knowing the dosages and without knowing how, you know, how much or how little to take, and whether it will interact with, for example, uh, their blood thinning medication that they are on. So uh, we heard ivermectin is, is good for you, we must take it. So these are the general stories about ivermectin that we need to keep in mind. We need to keep in mind that it is a medicine. We need to keep in mind that currently it is illegal in the country. And we need to keep in mind that if anybody has it, they should consult with somebody who knows or not take it at all. I am by no means advocating anything illegal because we are on a public platform and even in a private platform. You know, we don't want to encourage anything that is illegal and we would tell we will give the same advice now that I just mentioned a little bit earlier. Ask the people who know. And then if you want to use something and if they give you the go-ahead, then you can do whatever you want uh, because people are generally using it. But again, it is illegal and it is better to abstain and stay away from it uh, as far as possible until yes, such time as it is made legal. And yes, sir, we have about two minutes before the break. You know, we, we look at old people have been uh, constantly reminded uh, that they are most vulnerable to COVID. But we see now, uh, doctor, that there is no age restriction to the pandemic. Your observations? Well, so far, uh, we, we, you know, we've said this from the get-go. Uh, although initially the risk groups were identified as those who are elderly and with comorbidities, that, that remains a fact. Uh, that, uh, you know, they are at greater risk, greatest risk. But we know that we now there is now what is called the South African variant of the virus, 501Y.V2, version 2, or whatever they've named it, but that's the variant that is uh, in South Africa at the moment, or it's called the South African variant. Uh, we know that it spreads faster. We know that it is more virulent, if I may say so. Uh, but we also know that it is not more deadly according to the scientific information that is available. However, the risk factors that people had does not mean uh, that it is any less in any way. And it's not only the elderly. You and I are reading the Janaza messages every day on our cell phones. We are seeing the Janaza messages everywhere all the time. And we are seeing that it is affecting or killing people even as young as 20 years old and 17 years old even. But more important than that, Brother Shafat and people, we pray that all those who have left the dunya, may Allah ta'ala grant them all jannah to those, inshallah, and all those who are sick, may Allah ta'ala grant them shifa. And what we are saying is that prevention is better than cure. It is something that we've always said on your program, and we say in the beginning, that take the precautions. The precautions are advised by the healthcare practitioners because we know that it is virulent. We know that it spreads from person to person. And we know that if you wear a mask, that it will reduce your risk. We're not saying that it will prevent it completely, but we know that it will reduce your risk of contracting the virus. So wear the mask, wash the hands, because we know that soap and water kills it if it's on your hands. 
use a hand sanitizer where you can't. If you are sick, you have flu-like symptoms, don't go somewhere. Stay at home, quarantine yourself, isolate yourself depending on the situation. The other day I had somebody who had uh, flu-like symptoms, needed some medication, came to the rooms, didn't come inside because I don't let patients who have, or people who who are symptomatic of the flu, to come inside unless I know whether it's COVID or not. And in questioning the person, yeah, my husband has uh, COVID, he's at home, he's not well. So I think I just have a flu. I said, please, you know, the reason I don't let anybody in there is because the setup of my practice is such that I don't want to put other patients who are not COVID positive that come there at risk. So, you know, if you know you are sick, stay at home. Don't go to the masjid. Don't go to work. Don't go uh, to an environment where you will be in close contact with people and you will spread whatever condition you have uh, to others. So even if it's not COVID, if you know that you have an infectious condition, stay away, stay in a little bit. You know, wear the mask if you're going out in your immediate environment, but keep away from people until you know you are well. Go to the doctor. Go and get checked. If the doctor tells you to do a test, one. A lot of people are saying, no, we don't want to do the test. I don't have COVID. So uh, to give you an example of a patient recently, the patient came, refused to have a COVID test. So we had to circumvent. We had to go and do, you know, try and catch your nose uh, by going around your head. Sometimes you can't do that. So we don't know if the patient definitely has COVID or not because we didn't do a definitive test on the patient. But we, the patient agreed to do all the other markers. And we did all of them, and all of them were sky high, you know. So so there are certain other markers in COVID patients that we find that we know that this is a COVID infection, and it's a marker of progress or regress in the disease pattern. And this patient had all of those sky high. So if we put all that together, then we have to assume that the patient is COVID positive and treat accordingly. So in this patient, of course, I used a lot of herbs. I used a lot of medicine, and alhamdulillah, uh, the patient is in his 70s, and uh, he's doing much better now. So the thing is that I'm saying, and the point that I'm making is, don't be one of those that say, I don't want to be tested. Because if we test you, then we know how to direct your treatment. We know how, because we know that in a, you know, in a pathogen that is more virulent, that is harsher on the body, the type of herbs and medicines that I might need to use on you might be stronger than the usual ones. There are very specific herbs that the Chinese recommend that they have used during their treatment processes that work well. And if we know that you have that particular condition, you have COVID, then we can treat it accordingly. We don't have to give you lighter medicine and guess and do guesswork. And, you know, in as much as I can tell so many things from a patient's pulse, tongue, and other diagnostic methods, I can't be the lab test telling me whether a patient has COVID or not. So it's very important. Don't be reluctant to do that. And don't be afraid and, you know, uh, bury your head in the sand, so to speak. Do it, and then, inshallah, we'll treat you better. We can take all the necessary precautions around you and everybody will be much better and much safer. So these are the very important things that we need to remember, Brother Shafat.
Jazakallah khair for that, Dr. You're flowing uh, mashallah this evening. Time for us to go for a break. And remember that we are taking uh, your questions on the WhatsApp number 084786 3132. 084786 3132. Lucalo will uh, type it on my screen. I see quite a few have come through. Let's go do some shopping. You're listening to Marcus Sahaba online radio podcast. Yes, sir, the program is uh, Medical Files with uh, Dr. Imran Kika in the hot seat uh, this evening. Mashallah, yo. Hey, I see quite a few questions coming through for you, Dr. Imran Kika. Hey, you're very popular on uh, Marcus Sahaba. 084-786-3132 is the WhatsApp number. Sumeya says, Assalamu alaikum, Shafaat and Dr. Kika. We enjoy you both so much. Mashallah. And how is our Mufti AK? Well, I can tell you Mufti AK is firing on all cylinders, uh, doing what he does best. Yeah, his Q&A and all those other Nasiya is giving you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also keep him. And she goes on to say, I want to know for interest, Chinese medicine is so effective. Have Chinese people drifted into other meds or do they stick to their traditional medicine? Very good question coming from Sumeya, Dr. Imran Kika. A very good question. Um, look, there's a role for both, uh, well, the different systems of medicine. I shouldn't just say both uh, because there are many systems uh, in operation. Uh, there's um, Chinese medicine, there's Ayurveda, Unadi medicine, homeopathy, all those disciplines and what we call allopathic medicine or what you would get from your general practitioner or specialist like antibiotics and certain painkillers and anti-inflammatories and so on. So pharmaceutical-based medicine. So the interesting thing, uh, Sister Sumaya, is that if you go to China you'll, you and you visit hospitals there, and I've visited many hospitals there from private, or what might be deemed as private hospitals, uh, right up to the tertiary-level hospitals. I don't know in which province you live, but uh, in, in KwaZulu-Natal, our, our tertiary hospitals are, for example, the Ngozi Albert Lutuli Hospital. So these are the very big hospitals, and it is very interesting that when you go to these hospitals, if you look, if you go to any dispensary in these in these hospitals in China, you will find both systems of medicine side by side. So literally divided in half, you will find a dispensary with only Chinese herbal medicine, and then on the other side the pharmaceuticals. And even when doctors do rounds, they they will in these hospitals i've attended ward rounds for about a week in one of the hospitals and you see them doing ward rounds side by side they will give you know treatment to patients both pharmaceutical and traditional chinese medicine prescriptions at the same time i've also um, you know so 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 this this is from my own visits there seeing it for myself and uh, if you go to a local pharmacy, you will see also both systems of medicine in one place being used there. So this is the reality of how it is practiced in China. And it is most amazing how, you know, through all of that, through 
the use of both these systems of medicine, they, uh, they've been able to do large-scale studies, you know, on herbs and uh, pharmaceutical interactions. And many, many studies have come out of China, uh, even showing what we call synergistic effect of these medicines. So we're taking certain pharmaceuticals together with, uh, you know, certain herbs might produce a better outcome. They also have, through the work, you know, the more modern scientific work on China, on the 5,000-year-old science of these herbs, uh, codified work of these herbs, you know, they've made certain isolates and extracts from these herbs. Uh, some might even consider them pharmaceuticals, but they enhance the effect on the patients. So it is, it, it's just absolutely fascinating, Sister Sumaya, and it's something that I only wish, uh, I was telling somebody the other day, that I wish I was the Minister of Health in the country. I would change so many things uh, in, in terms of what kinds of medicines would be available to people and how they may be used and how the population would benefit immensely. Here in South Africa also, you know, we have uh, African uh, medicines. Our own herbs here that are being constantly studied in our universities as well. And so, and we know that a large portion of our population, even in South Africa, visit traditional health practitioners. So that system of medicine also cannot be ignored. And uh, it would be so nice that if all of that could be properly codified, put into um, written form, studied, and used side by side, I think, uh, you know, that. That would be a dream of mine to see materialize in our country here. You see it in Pakistan. I lived there for two years. Uh, you see it there as well. Unani medicine, widely practiced and widely used in combination. Although you don't see it in the hospitals, I worked in one, in fact, I worked in the largest hospital in, in, in Pakistan, in Karachi, civil hospital Karachi, and uh, you know, it would have been nice to see, but the dawakhanas are all around it, and people use these systems of medicine very effectively. So this is my own experience, uh, Sister Sumaya, and uh, this is my view on it. And like I say, uh, if I become the Minister of Health in the country, I think we'll take a... And I'm saying this with a very big smile on my face because Brother Shafat knows I'm a politician. And, you know, I aspire to that. And I would like to definitely see that in South Africa. And uh, inshallah, one day it will happen. We can only make dua. Inshallah, when you say inshallah and your positivity, we will definitely breathe that positivity. A beautifully answered there, Dr. Imran Kika. Uh, Anonymous says, Assalamu alaikum to all who are enjoying the program like me. I read of Chinese girls being forced to tie their toes behind their feet. What a deformity. Is this custom still practiced? Hey, Doc, what's happening with the Chinese feet? <laughs> yeah, you know, I've seen those uh, documentaries myself. Uh, look, I can't speak for the Chinese people and what, uh, you know, strange things might be happening. They happen in all cultures and in all parts of the world. Uh, I don't even want to begin to delve into my views uh, on, on that subject, even here at home. So let's leave that as something cultural. I don't think it has anything to do, or certainly doesn't have anything to do with Chinese medicine. 
And uh, yes, it, you know, there may be parts of China or people in China that, uh, you know, they have some practices. Like everywhere else in the world, that doesn't mean that, you know, that is something uh, that is recommended, uh, you know, as part of Chinese medicine. In fact, I'm sure the Chinese medicine practitioners may have had to deal with uh, the sequelae of that. And, and that is the important thing. Jazakallah khair for that. I think, uh, yeah, truly, like a good politician, he, he knew. He knew what answer to give. Very, you know, no one gets offended. Well done there, Doc. Firoza says, Assalamu alaikum to the Marcus studio. In our small town, everyone tunes in. I use uh, a foot uh, rollers. I use it on my hands too. How effective is it? I use five minutes on each hand and foot. They say I should use 20 minutes on each, but that will take too long. Foot rollers, uh, Doc, uh, how would you advise Afiroza? Certainly not a bad idea. Uh, no harm in it at all that I can think of. Uh, in terms of benefit, I think the best persons that would be able to give you the most opposite and appropriate answer, Brother Shafat, one of the days I think you must find uh, one of our brothers or sisters who are reflexologists and get them on here. Because you'll find that uh, they would best explain which regions of the foot and hand represent different parts of the body. And uh, I myself, uh, on one of my trips to China, I had just landed and it wasn't long after that that I uh, visited. Uh, and if I say this, I don't want you to misunderstand me, Brother Shafat, or the listeners for that matter. I know my mother is listening. I, I was quite tired and the hotel had a, uh, a massage studio and I didn't go for one of those uh, one of those massages, I should say. So uh, they had a, an elderly gentleman there who did foot massage. And when I went to him, he began uh, going to different points in my feet. And it was Ajib. He was able to tell me just, we, we couldn't understand each other, but he could tell me very precisely, you know, by touching a certain part of my foot, he would then point at my back and ask me, you know, as, you know, gesture in our sign language, do you have pain there? I said, yes. And I had just landed, I was rather jet-lagged. And, uh, you know, he pressed another area and he pointed to the side of my, the one side of his head and asked me, do I have pain there? And I, and I nodded in the affirmative. So these are all, you know, this, this is the science of reflexology. Uh, in Chinese medicine, there is a particular branch of massage. It's called Twina. It doesn't specifically refer to these uh, reflexology points as is studied commonly in South Africa and other parts of the world, but certainly the link uh, in terms of uh, the sciences is there. And does it benefit? Yes. And I know a lot of people that get immense relief from visiting reflexologists. So from that point of view, I don't see any harm in it at, at all. In fact, uh, I would encourage people to, to visit a reflexologist and, and derive benefit from them. So I think one of the days, inshallah, if you, I'll, I'll probably recommend somebody for you to interview on your show, and I think it will benefit the Ummah at large. So yes, uh, the role is no harm. Um, hands and feet, and of course, you know, those, uh, you know, there's, they, uh, in the medical profession as well, they say, first, do no harm. So if, if it was harmful, I would have said to you, you know what, abandon it. Uh, but I don't see any harm in it, so I think it will, inshallah, carry on, and I hope it brings you good health and, and shifa, inshallah, if you are not well. 
Jazakallahu for that doc and uh, we'll take you up on that reflexologist and uh, Fuzil says assalamu alaikum to all of you uh, doing great work uh, mashallah what does a uh, Chinese medicine suggest for high stress levels brains are overtaxed nowadays and we all are paranoid doc well stress is a very broad subject um, I don't know what is bringing upon the brother's stress but if something is definitely stressing him out he needs to work through it brother Uzair um, you know, you 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 know, the, one of the best things to do about stress is not just to avoid it, but to find mechanisms to cope with the stress. So there are things that you know, there are people that are teaching these mechanisms and and methods. Now, let me let me just take you back to a life example. Yeah, we, uh, you know, in terms of treatment, let me just get over that. Yes, there are herbs. Yes, there are medicines. Acupuncture is very effective. Yeah, acupuncture in, in particular. So if the stress is bringing about, um, you know, uh, insomnia and restlessness and, you know, anger and all those kinds of things and you're shouting and you're gnashing your teeth and you're causing problems in your house and breaking the dishes and everything, then of course, you know, those are extreme cases we need to, to get to you quickly. So all those things work. Uh, exercising, gentle, relaxing exercises in Chinese medicine, uh, particularly, there is something called uh, qigong. You know, you would have seen people in parks, uh, you know, doing certain gentle exercises. But I said I'm going to go back to an example, and this is an example from my sheikh, Rahimahullah Akimakhtar I remember once a a gentleman came there and he complained about. His temper, uh, you know, excessive temper at that time because of a work-related problem. He was just extremely frustrated and getting angry at home and causing all kinds of problems because of his temper tantrums. So after he complained, Hazrat Hazrat says, I'm going to give you an elage. First things, first you go out outside, outside of the madrasa where we stayed. In the gully, there was a Hakim Saab. He says, go to the Hakim Saab. He will give you something, but also I'm going to give you another elage. For one month, 30 days, in your free time between Asr and Maghrib, I want you to come here to the Hanka. I don't want you to do anything. I just want you to sit here, and I want you to observe a man. That man is still alive today. He said, sit and observe Maulana Mazhar every day in your free time. Now, I knew why he gave him this enlarge, because I used to stay there, and I had observed Mona Mazhar Sahib over a long period of time. Mona Mazhar Sahib is that kind of a person that is very calm, very relaxed, very level-headed, and very astute at addressing many of the issues. In fact, to such an extent that hundreds of people see him in a day with all their problems, and you see him there sitting calm and cool and addressing everybody's problem and everybody leaving happy after they spoke to him. So he said to this man, you sit there for one month. After a month, I was part of the conversation where Hazrat said to him, gee, what is it now that you have to say? He says, Hazrat, I have no more anger. One is I took the dawa, but it wasn't that. It was coming here every day, the sukoon and the quietness that I found in this place, and more importantly, watching this man for all the reasons that I just mentioned. He never got angry. He never shouted at anybody. He never... You know, so, so what we need to do, what lesson we need to learn in essence, is keep good company, stay away from the stressful situations, 
stay in the company of the pious. So stressed. Stay away from those things that stress you. I was talking about information in your hand. These things stress us. They make us paranoid. We're reading about death. We're reading about uh, destruction. We're reading about things that are happening at such a rapid pace that it is putting a lot of fear and it's taking us away from our Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that helps to come closer. Find the company of the pious. Phone them if we can. If we can't go and gather in the hankas and in the places of ibadat anymore, then at least phone them. Talk to them. Get their advice. Inshallah, this will go a long, long way, this kind of elaj for the ummah. So, zikrullah. Sometimes spending, making muraqaba, sitting in your own space and time, and remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Send the reward for the marhumin. Think about them also. So all these things which are in our deen take the stress away from us. They calm us down. They make us happier. And, you know, one of the things that Hazrat um, used to explain to me one day, you know, I used to sometimes come from the hospital rather stressed, um, like the brother is explaining, go to his room, sit with him, and then without him saying anything or me saying a word, I used to leave there sometimes with a big smile on my face and happy. And I used to one day ask him, I said to him, I said, why does this happen? Can you explain to me? And he and he gave a very nice answer. He said, Dil Dil se milta hai. The heart meets the heart. So he 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 said that look, I am happy with my Allah. I try to do good and keep away from sin, and I hope my Allah is happy with me, but I'm happy. And so when you sit in my company, you also get happy because dil, dil se milta hai. So this is that bond and connection that we need to make with our Creator, and inshallah that will take away a lot of stress, a lot of difficulty, and I know I should be recommending Chinese remedies and acupuncture and saying put a needle here and put a needle there, or take this tablet and take that tablet, the reality is this, that come back to the basics. Uh, find time to stay away from the stresses. Find people that you can relate these stresses to and who are trained, such as the mashayikh are trained. Psychologists are trained. There are people that are in the field that deal with these kind of issues. If you've got nobody else to talk to, you know, your family doesn't want to listen to you at home, and you're still very stressed, find your doctor. Inshallah, your doctor will make some time might be busy, but you'll make some time, we'll listen to you and give you some good advices, inshallah. So, in short and in essence, this is on on the general thing that I have in my mind right now. Uh, you know, the questions are coming uh, randomly, and, you know, I, I'm not going to probably cover everything that people may want to hear, but these are the things that I have to say, and I think that I hope, inshallah, that by Bringing some of these things and practicing on some of these things, inshallah, will feel much better. A lot of people are driving long hours in traffic, sitting there. Instead of sitting and listening to the radio and stressing yourself out, perhaps listen to some rikrova. Listen to listen to the recitation of the Quran. You know, Allah bi zikrillahi tatmainul qulub. Allah Taala tells us, you know, there is, there is. How shall I translate this? I, 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 you know, Brother Shwa, the translation is also not coming into my head right now. But it brings yeah, tranquility in the remembrance the of Allah, there's peace of the heart. That's in the remembrance of Allah, one of the tranquility, you know, it brings to the heart. So it brings that tranquility and that calmness to the heart. So listen to it. And, and, and so, inshallah, this will bring about goodness and it will bring around about 
tranquility and calmness and it will relieve people of stress inshallah better than any chinese remedy i can give you i tell you doc you are really on the spiritual mode you're giving us spiritual food this evening bless you for Ma, that I Allah, like a today. <laughs> no beautiful indeed beautiful really enjoying you doc we have about three minutes to go Uh, let's make this the last question and you can round up. Uh, this message says, Assalamu alaikum to Marcus Radio. Please ask uh, Dr. Imran Kika for me. What can we do to benefit our pineal gland? Hey, good question. Uh, uh, very interesting question. Look, uh, the pineal gland is a small pea-sized gland in the back of the head. Uh, it uh, secretes um, a hormone or a chemical called melatonin. Uh, melatonin has uh, several benefits in the body. The principal benefit is it controls what we call the circadian rhythm. So it controls uh, the cycle of waking up, uh, sleeping, and, and many other functions that go uh, with, with melatonin. Melatonin is also available as a remedy. Uh, many you know you need a prescription for it you can get it and take it and you can use it for certain conditions it has antioxidant properties uh, i'm suspecting Dr. Shafat, that the the question might be a little bit loaded somebody might want to uh, you know might be going back to this uh, one of these conspiracy theories that has been peddled that you know these mm. uh, thermometers that they are using they are pointing it at your pineal gland Uh, you know, and they are trying to program your pineal gland with I've actually heard oh, yes. as absurd and ridiculous as this. And, and there's absolutely no truth in that. That's absolute hogwash and nonsense. And uh, because, you know, even if they point, the, the, the gland that is in the front of the head is the pituitary gland. It has a completely different function to the pineal gland. But uh, in essence, and very short and sweet, this is what the pineal gland does. Uh, yeah, and if there are more functions to it, I probably haven't read them, but that's its principal function in the body. I tell you, your mom, Sharifa, got a big smile this evening. She says, hey, you know what, my son was cool, calm and collected, and I agree, Doc. You really, you know what, you gave us beautiful nasiha, you gave us a mashallah consultation. Your parting words are before I let you go. Um, Brother Shafat, I've advised you before. I record them because I'm like a broken record. I say the same thing, so I have to show with you. And I'm going to repeat it uh, because in repetition, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's, there's a saying in politics, you know, on message in volume over time. If you practice upon that, people remember things, you know. So in messaging, it's very important. So I always say that he who visits the doctor only when sick is like he who digs a well only when thirsty then it's too late so i always say that medicine must not only be about treatment but it must also be about preventive measures and it is everybody's responsibility to take responsibility for their health especially during this time so go and check up your vitamin d levels go to your doctor check it up because we know there are studies that are out there that are saying that if you have optimal vitamin d levels then your risk of getting COVID are reduced massively. In fact, one study showed by about 51%. So that's a massive thing, Brother Shafat. Instead of going to look for ivermectin like we spoke about earlier, vitamin D is easily available. Go to your doctor or pharmacist, get it checked up and take a supplement. I know that I might get into trouble for saying this with many people, 
but the reality is that it is a very safe vitamin and it can be easily obtained uh, in low dose and in high dose with a prescription from your doctor. So go and get the levels checked up. And then, Brother Shafat, if you have people are suffering from any chronic conditions, certain conditions uh, cause great imbalances in the body, go and visit the alternative healthcare practitioners such as the doctors of Chinese medicine, Unani medicine, Ayurveda, the homeopaths. Go and see them. Stay away from the bogus practitioners, stay away from the bogus couples, and stay away from people that might inflict harm on you without consequence. So, Brother Shafat, these are my parting shots. And inshallah, we wish everyone well. Keep safe. Keep the precautions in mind. Wear your mask. Wash the hands. Use a hand sanitizer where water is not available. Practice good cough etiquette. And very importantly, uh, stay at home uh, if you are not well. Don't be a spreader. Brother Dr. Imran Tika, absolutely brilliant. You have a mashallah evening ahead. I'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa Yes, that was, as I said, a very pleasant consultation with Dr. Imran Kika. And to all of you that sent in questions, a big jazakallah to you, you and you. Keep uh, tuned, yeah, keep uh, in tune, yeah, or keep tuned, because uh, next up after the azan will be pertinent, uh, punctuated. We will be talking to Sheikh Maida about worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And our Mawlana Salim Karima from 9.30 to 10 will be talking to us about the power of du'a. Um, time for us to go for the Isha Azan, and inshallah we will continue after that.